0: Welcome to the Campus Christian Fellowship Podcast for the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa. We're going to be continuing our series called Sharing in Sufferings by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 7 through 18 we uh, have been trying an approach of taking about a chapter a week through second corinthians and sometimes when we do that there are verses that we have to skip over now that's not because there isn't anything of value in those verses it's just because generally you have to narrow your focus a little bit to to get these talks to to not just go forever and and so we um uh, decide to focus in on 7 through 18 this week because we really wanted to to focus in on what Paul has to say about the the New Covenant in those verses. And so um, without further ado, let's just get into some text and let's see what Paul has to say here. So first we're going to start by reading just verses 7 through 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Part of the reason I want to do these verses is because even on uh, an initial read-through and, and even on, on some extra later-on read-throughs, it's really hard to see what Paul's trying to say here. And, and you really need some additional context here um, for what Paul's talking about. Now, So he starts talking about... Um, this ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, and here I think Paul is referring to um, the the Ten Commandments, the law, as as it's sometimes referred to, um, more or less the the old covenant, the covenant was made with Moses. And in case you think uh, we're pulling Moses, Moses out of nowhere, well, the very next part of the verse is so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. So right away he's bringing up um, this this narrative of when moses was given the law and when he came down from the mountain and his face described as radiant actually let's just go straight to that text um this is from exodus 34 verses 29 to 35 this is that narrative of moses receiving the law and coming down the mountain when moses came down from mount sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the lord When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Now that part about the veil and everything like that, that's going to come in in the next section of Scripture uh, that we're going to cover from 2 Corinthians. Um, But kind of want to point out is that we've got Moses. He goes up on the mountain. He comes back down. His face is glowing because of his experience with God, because of the time that he spends um, with God face to face. It, it, it literally leaves a mark, but when the people see it, they're they're kind of freaked out. They don't really know what to do with a uh, guy with a glowing face, and th- that makes sense to me. I don't think I would know what to do with there if, if um, someone that even that I knew and respected uh, suddenly had a glowing face. It would it would be really. Odd. So what Moses decides is that for the sake of the people, so that they feel they can approach him, they can talk to him, he chooses to wear a veil over his face whenever he's um, not speaking with the Lord, and and so that way his his face isn't going to affect the the message that's coming through. It's not going to so freak people out that they they won't be able to hear his words. Um, And so it's because of this that that Moses chooses to to veil his. His face, and, and and so there's just a lot of things going on with that story, and so Paul's trying to um, help the the church in Corinth understand um, some of the things that are happening with that story, and and try to use it as a way of talking about the the new covenant, how things are now with Christ and with the Holy Spirit, and and that type of, of ministry. There's another technique um, that Paul's using that's really important for um, this period of of Judaism. It's it's a um, it's a rhetorical approach and a way of making an argument and proving a point that a lot of rabbis um, would have been using in, in Jesus' time and Paul's time. It's, it's a technique that Jesus himself uses um, quite a bit, and it's referred to as kalvaomer. um and There's always a chance that I'm mispronouncing that because I don't speak Hebrew. Um, but essentially, it's it's a way of of comparing two things in order to prove... Uh, a point. So, so they basically take a, a lesser principle, something that's a little bit more simpler, and say, well, if if what is true is true for the simple, then how much more is it true for a greater example? And that's actually kind of the key word generally that you'll find for Karl Valmer is that phrase, "How much more." If this lesser thing, if the simpler thing is true, then how much more this greater, more complex thing is true? And so Paul's actually using that here um, when, when he's comparing the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And then so he talks about if the ministry that brought death um, came with glory, and it's that's the glory that literally is radiant upon Moses' face. Um, Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? How much more glorious will the ministry of the Spirit be when we know how glorious the ministry of of the Old Covenant was? How much more glorious is the ministry of, of the New Covenant? And and it even talks about just kind of the transitory nature of, of the Old Covenant there within this passage. And so what Paul's trying to say is, and and I think this is a really important part, because we'll sometimes use these verses to try to say how the Old Covenant has, has gone away and how the Old Covenant doesn't matter and how we don't need to focus on it anymore. Because, I mean, look how much greater the New Covenant is or how much more glorious the you know, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is, and I think we're missing out on what Paul's trying to say, because the, the point of that, um, that rhetorical argument there, that the Omer, is, is not to diminish the simpler case, uh, but to shine, uh, a light on the greater case, so Paul is not saying that the old covenant is, is useless or should be thrown away, or, because uh, he acknowledges the incredible glory that comes with the old covenant that is, it's again reflected on Moses's face. He, he's glowing um, because of this law that he's been given because of the interaction with God that came from it. The message that comes from God, the, the old covenant is, is great and glorious. But the key for this is to try to say, so how, how much more glorious then is this new covenant? This new thing that that we all have access to through Christ through the Holy Spirit um, that that comes on all of us, and and I think that's again a key thing to remember is that we're not trying to, de- to diminish or throw away the old covenant. Uh, and in fact, Jesus Himself, when He's um, giving the Sermon on the Mount, there's there's a lot of discussion around this time. Who is this Jesus guy? He keeps saying about uh, about the law, like, you've heard it said this way, but I say to you that it's this way, and uh, there's these other things going on. Uh, the, the crowds were starting to wonder, is Jesus trying to throw away the law? Is he trying to throw away the Old Covenant? And, and he says pretty early on in the Sermon on the Mount, I I came to fulfill that. I came to fulfill the law. Uh, I came to show you what the law was always supposed to mean. And, and even those phrases that he uses throughout the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it say this way about the law but i say unto you this um those are always ways to describe what how the the law has always supposed to be enacted what it's supposed to mean how it's supposed to pour out god's love and and share his his truth to more people and and so that's what Paul's doing here. He's not diminishing the Old Covenant at all. He has a great respect for the Old Covenant. It's something that he's held near and dear to his heart his entire life, upbringing, as he's been studying it, as he's been uh, spending time as a Pharisee. He embraces that still even after his time of Uh, of revelation of uh, of jesus showing up to him on the road to damascus he's never thrown away the old covenant um, but he sees how jesus illuminates that and how the holy spirit um, makes that something that uh, that's accessible for for all people And, and so that's what he even continues to say on in verses 12 through 18 let me read those for you therefore since we have such a hope we are very bold We're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. The main purpose that Paul's going uh, and, and talking about the new covenant is to help people um, become more aware of what it means to have the the Holy Spirit and what. Um, what that looks like, what the ministry of the Spirit looks like. And and so th- the thing to, to be mindful of is that uh, I, I think this portion of the letter is largely targeted towards the Jewish audience in the church. And he's trying to remind them of how much they honor and revere and the glory that comes with the old covenant. And to say, but now you're under a new covenant. How much more glory is there with that new covenant, the ministry of the Holy Spirit that brings life and hope? How much more meaning does that have? And I think he's trying to make them aware of there's great things that God's doing and that the the Gentiles that are among you have access to this as well through the Holy Spirit. I, I think Paul's message here is largely a message of unity, of reminding the church that now... Christ has made these things different. Now the Holy Spirit is available to all. Now you can live with unveiled faces because we can be sharing this message to all people and we all have access to it. That it's it's not something to be kept for an elite few. It's not a Jewish church anymore. It is for all people and it's always supposed to have been for all people. But now it's accessible in a way that it's never been before because of what the Holy Spirit has done through Christ. So, I think one of the things we can be taking out of this message for here and now is that the the Holy Spirit is working through all Christians through all different denominations different types of ministries that are on our campus and and um in in our communities. And so that's something that, that we need to be mindful of as we see ministries, maybe that we're not a part of, that we have nothing to do with, but you see the good work that they're doing for the kingdom. uh, We should take uh, encouragement from that. We should be praying for those ministries to have a profound impact in, in our communities that, that we should just be mindful that, that God is working through his Holy Spirit, through all Christians, for all that call upon his name uh, he is he's for them he is he's moving he's working for his kingdom purposes and that's where I think largely this reminder of of the Holy Spirit of how much more uh, the New Covenant means how much more the Holy Spirit is is doing and providing is is a call to unity because it's something that that we all have the ability to partake of that it doesn't matter our our ethnic background, our uh, what we look like, what we do, how much money we have, socioeconomic status—like none of that stuff keeps the Holy Spirit from from being more or less powerful in your life. If if you are a Christ follower, we all have the Holy Spirit, and and He pours out um, His His gifts and and things in in, in His own on His own choosing, and so that's. What we should be carrying from this—that that that there's there's unity found within all of Christianity. So that's, um, I think, the big message that Paul has here. Uh, Corinth was a a very divided place, uh, socio-economic wise, uh, ethnically. Um, and, and even the church itself was starting to have these uh, divisions about who they should listen to as a teacher and who they should believe. And, and I think Paul's trying to remind them, guys, that um, the Holy Spirit is present all of us it's one of the great things that unifies us together and so we can set aside um, those differences that we have if we've got ethnical or socioeconomic differences that 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 stuff doesn't kind of matter and we can see the way that the Holy Spirit is using people and we can delight in in one another's gifts and we can rejoice in the things that are being done in in our church and and know that that there are all kinds of teachers that we can listen to. um, As long as they're showing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that that there's going to be a value there and there's going to be things that we should take from them, uh, even if they look at certain passages differently or even if they agree with me or not. Uh, Paul's saying this, by the way. Um, And so that's, that's what we need to be mindful of. That's, I think, what we should take out of this is that there's unity, profound unity found in the ministry of the Spirit. And that's one of the things that being under the new covenant means—that we all have the opportunity to be a part of this. Um, a- again, I- I'm not trying to toss away the old covenant. I'm not trying to diminish what it's saying because I think also the old covenant was always trying to 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 reach out and share that God is for all people that. That the point of the Israelites was to be God's priest to point everyone to him to show all of that. So uh, there was accessibility for all under the Old Covenant. It just took some different steps than, than the New Covenant has. That's another bigger discussion for another time. What we do need to remember is that um, there's some difficulty here. In understanding what's happening, but I think uh, keeping in mind the the text from Exodus, keeping in mind the the unity that the Holy Spirit brings, and I think we can start to get a picture of what Paul is trying to communicate to the church in Corinth here. And so we'll um, we'll continue our study next time with the fourth chapter of Second Corinthians, and continue to see the the advice that Paul has for the church in Corinth, and how we can take from that um, some really beneficial ways. To, to live our lives, to, to share in the sufferings of Christ, um, and to do good works for the kingdom of God. Hey, thanks for checking us out and spending some time with us this week. Quick reminder, if you're a student at Iowa State, University of Northern Iowa, or University of Iowa, we would love to connect you with a campus minister. So reach out to ccf.uiowa at gmail.com, and we will make sure we get you connected. Be sure to specify your school in an email. Additionally, if you have questions about anything you've heard today or anything that's on your mind, we would love a chance to answer that here anonymously. So you can also just drop a line there again that is ccf.uiowa at gmail.com we hope you have a great week and please know that we are praying for you